Welcome everyone to another episode of ISPM Talks. I am your host, Marcela Hoffman Mourão. The conversation today is with Lota Maria Malm, an ISPM alumna, part of our first cohort that graduated in 2020. Lotta is from Finland, but seems to be settling roots here in the Netherlands. She was always a dedicated student who was really in for the journey. Her second year internship was done at ISA Youth, a non-for-profit organization focusing on underprivileged communities around the world. Her thesis internship was completely different, but also very interesting, and we will talk about both experiences. We will also discuss the impact the COVID-19 pandemic has had on her life. As we are about to see our second cohort of ISPM graduate students, I hope this conversation will give them an extra inspiration in this final lap. So let's get to it. So how has it been for you with this uh, period, crazy period that we're living? It's been a very long year. First, I felt, oh, this is actually a nice thing, this pandemic, because you don't have to be so stressed about keeping yourself busy. You can take a little bit of own time and stay more home and take care of yourself. Until I realized that actually I cannot take care of myself because I cannot exercise. So as soon as all the gyms closed, I started to feel like I cannot really... uh, I cannot really, yeah, like I said, I cannot really take too good care of myself. And I, and for a moment, it was really sad. Then, then I started to think of other things I could do to fill my days. And I started to prepare for a marathon. So I was actually running for several months every day, almost. I think five days or six days a week, I was running because I couldn't do anything yeah. else. I could just go out and run as long as I can and then come back. I was following a specific program for that. But then, of course, also the marathon got cancelled because of uh, Corona. Um, I changed my job. And this is something I told you about already before the podcast when I wrote, wrote with you. So I was working in a gymnastics club, for children. And of course, we also needed to close when Corona came. And then they started to lift some measures a little bit last summer. And we could be open again for a couple of months. Then we needed to close again. And finally, in November, I decided that I don't want to continue in this job where there's no certainty. I never know if I will still have a job tomorrow. And then I started to look for something new. So it's been very uh, long, but exciting year. There's been a lot of changes and a lot of new things. But overall, I'm I'm very faithful that the pandemic is going to be over soon. And yeah, yeah, I'm feeling happy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good to hear. Uh, that's important because I think the mental was ex- uh, affected a lot, right, during this time. Um, I, I see from the students, I, I see from our colleagues as well. So you were mentioning the gyms that you wanted to take care of yourself. So tell about uh, the kind of work that you, you did before you started training for a marathon. Yeah, so I've been mainly focusing on kickboxing the last years. And of course, it's a contact sport. Mm. And contact sports were the first ones that they that they said you cannot continue anymore. Other, other type of sports, they could continue with no contact. For example, you can give a personal training or you can play tennis because you don't have to be in physical contact with other people. Kickboxing, they, they close the gyms right away. So that's what I've been doing uh, for the past few years. And that's been my biggest focus. Um, 
now, of course, since a couple of weeks ago, we managed to start again. So now it's a kind of a new beginning for all mm. of us. Furthermore, I feel like I'm, I've been just trying to stay overall active doing whatever I can when it is running, when it is cycling. Um, sometimes I might do also some track and field type of training, but mostly single sports, mm -hmm. no team sports for me. Um, I like to be responsible for my own actions. Mm -hmm. If I do well, I can thank myself. If I do bad, it's my own fault as well. <laughs> so I've been like this always. Oh, that, that's very, it's completely opposite of, of, of myself. When I used to do sports, I, I, I used to do swimming, so I was part of a team and I just hated competing because it was the pressure, you know, it was so hard. And, and then when I started playing volleyball, I was like, yeah, that's what I like. We can share the, the, the weight of the responsibility. So for me, it was completely opposite. Now I like to play tennis, but tennis, even though it's individual, you react to something that your opponent do. So it's kind of like there is something going on, a, a dialogue going on that it didn't exist in swimming. And for me, it was like, oh no, I can't do this. So I quit. Um, yeah, more into the team, but now I don't, I just do tennis for fun. I don't compete anything, but yeah, it's it's a nice, nice approach to, to look into the sport and say, yeah, it's the, the glory is mine and the, the problems, the faults are also mine. So it's a, it's exactly. a good approach. Interesting to hear that you played played volleyball because I was also playing when I was, for, I think, from nine years until 14. Mm. And I loved everything about it. But then when the puberty came, I decided I don't want to do sports anymore. And then <laughs> for a couple of years, I was really non-active at all until I picked up something something else again. But volleyball used to be super fun game because yeah. I also felt like volleyball, at least in Finland and for me, our age, it was not so competitive. It was only having fun. Yeah. And I never felt, even if we went to play, play a match, I never felt like there should be any pressure on us or we yeah. really need to win this because the the winning was not the most important it was the team team around you and being with your friends but yeah. that was when i was a child today i don't know if i would want to play yeah. the team anymore yeah yeah <laughs> i i don't watch volleyball myself but actually i think it was maybe 2018 i was volunteering in Zouder park mm. through our school in a beach volley event there were the there were the students that were one class higher they were doing their thesis and then they had some research and then they needed to do surveys so i was sort of helping them out and and then i was watching this i think it was european cup or something but it was really high level beach volley and it was amazing to watch yeah yeah it's pretty cool the the dutch team they practice there the the beach volleyball so they they are always there and they do a lot of competitions uh, at the campus. So yeah, it's it's great for the students to get to see a high level uh, events taking place. Uh, and hopefully this will come back again. Now. Exactly. And that's yeah. what I'm also missing to go see some sport events live. In Zouder Park, there's so good facilities for, to yeah. facilitate any kind of uh, events, but uh, unfortunately nothing, nothing is going forward no. at the moment. No, because we were supposed to have last year the Invictus Games, and then it was transferred to this year, and now it's tra transferred to next year. So uh, yeah, everything keeps getting postponed, but um, yeah, I think now things will, will get better for sure. Um, and then 
you, you mentioned that you were working at my gym, which we'll go into more details later because that's uh, related to your, your graduation thesis. But then you left and now you don't work in sports anymore, right? So that's another uh, issue that affected you. Yeah, so at the moment I'm working in sales. Um, I'm working in an e-learning company. It's a really lovely job. I, I cannot complain about anything. Of course, it's not related to my studies, but I can use a lot of skills that I've learned during those three years because it's a sales job. So, of course, there are a lot of things that relate. Just the framework is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. It's kind of educational industry now rather than sport. I am still involved in sports a lot. I give some boxing classes as a volunteer just for, for fun on my free time after work. And then, of course, I exercise myself and I'm very much involved through other people around me. But for now, this is the job that I want to focus on. But who knows if there will be some other new opportunities in the future. I just graduated. When was it? Exactly one year ago. So yeah. all, all, all the doors are open and there might be still something something big waiting for me. Yeah, couple of course. years from now but but this is where i am right now working from home offices in rotterdam i live in the hague so i'm happy about it that i'm working from home at the moment because <laughs> otherwise i would spend so much so much time commuting to the office and back but of course the social aspect is sometimes a little bit of a problem when you are home and then the only way to connect with people is over teams or zoom and you don't really see your colleagues ever and that can be really sad but then as i said on the other hand i save a lot of time working from home and i can i can focus fully on my on my job and i'm not getting disturbed by anyone going exactly. to the coffee machine chatting with your colleagues you know you know yeah. how much you can waste time on a daily yeah. basis or something like that <laughs> yeah exactly and and uh, you're working in sales and the thing is the same way that you took uh, your learning and you can use that learning in your job now you will take this experience from your job and it will be applicable if you work in sports again so nothing is lost uh, every experience will add so uh, yeah like you said there's plenty of time and you just graduated so getting this experience it's, it's super important the main important thing is that you're happy you like the job that you do uh, and that you will definitely learn from it uh i think every job that i did i learned a lot and i see the application of that in, in the teaching even so every experience is valid and again if you get to sports you will definitely use especially working in sales i mean we need that in sports now more than ever <laughs> exactly especially now and it's right what you said every experience is a valuable experience no matter what it is yeah you will you will benefit from it later on and the most important is that whatever you are doing at the moment do it to the fullest do your yeah. best do your 100 yeah. percent if it doesn't pay off at this very moment it will eventually in the future yeah exactly i i remember at one point i was talking to a student they were working on their resume and say yeah but should i should i put that i deliver a pizza I said, yeah of course you should every experience is important if anything they they can see that you can can drive a scooter or whatever everything will be useful so yeah don't don't take anything away 
from your CV because you learn a lot. Even delivering pizza, you learn a lot. You know, you have to deal with people, uh, different people, different moods. So it's a yeah, it's a it's a great experience as well. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and, and sometimes it's also important to show on your CV that you have been doing something and you yes. have been active and not just staying at home. And that's yeah. something that uh, future employers, they they appreciate when they see your CV, that you have been working nonstop the last 10 years. Sometimes it doesn't even matter what did you do, but the most yeah. important is that you did something so you can show that you are a hardworking person. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. And, and that goes then if you don't have a job, go volunteer and put the volunteering that you do there. So you are busy. You're not just home playing video games. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I've noticed that they all play video games this day. Uh, even my husband plays video games and I don't. So uh, I uh, thought I'm the only person who doesn't play video games no or, I don't or watch Game of Thrones <laughs> yeah yeah no I, I didn't watch Game of Thrones either yeah surprisingly I didn't no and I don't play video games uh I'm not good at them so it takes a lot of effort you know you have to learn all the the buttons and commands and I just don't have the patience for that so I said yeah no it's uh, it's too complicated indeed yeah. Lata was super interesting because when I saw uh, your second year internship was at ESA, right? And then I, yeah. I went on the website and I was checking. So it's in the field of uh, sport for development, right? Uh, did you do it in the Netherlands? Did you go to another country for that internship? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. Um, I did it here in the Netherlands. It was at that time, it was the second year of my studies, I think, beginning of the year. Um, I didn't have um, opportunity to leave the country for only three months. There was, you know, a lot of things involved. For example, I would lose my apartment and I need to mm -hmm. find a new one. So luckily, I, I, I was approved to do my internship here in the Netherlands. And it was in Den Bosch. It is indeed a non-profit organization and... I really enjoyed everything about it. It was also really funny how I ended up there because a lady who's working, she's not working there anymore. I think she's working now for the ministry mm. of something. Apologies, I don't remember no exactly, but she got a really, really nice offer from there, I believe one year ago. Um, so this lady Yara, who was working for ESA, she came to give a lecture about sport for development in our university. And then after the lecture, I went to her and I asked, would there be a chance to do internship with your organization? Because I find it really interesting and I like things that you mentioned now in your presentation. Um, I had a short discussion with her and then I went home and I made a CV, I wrote an application letter and I sent it to her. And the application process, it uh, it moved, moved forward really fast. And I think one or two weeks later, we had an agreement that I would do my internship there. And I did my internship there for three months, as I said, and I did a research about a program they had in Kenya at the time to, to empower young, young uh, kids and children who are in the risk, in the risk group of... Um, how should I say it in, in English, um, you know, to get a little bit outside of the society, mm -hmm. to drop out, let's say. Yeah. So they did this empowerment program for them where they would go, there would be a few people going from Netherlands to Kenya, and then they had also employees there, and they would go all together in a group and they would organize activities for them. So they would empower them through sports. They had sessions where they would 
practice, for example, writing a CV or writing an application for, for a job. And then at the same time, they would do something fun through sports. So play games together and learn how to play in a team, how to share, how to be nice to each other, how to respect others, how to be proud about yourself. And that was a big thing also that I found out in my research that this program helped them to feel more proud about themselves and become more confident. And I think that was the biggest outcome. So there were a lot of good things involved in that program that they did. I haven't been following them too much. I don't know how is it going with them right now, of course, because of the pandemic, but for sure an organization that is only doing good. Yeah, and it, it's great to hear that because a lot of it's good that you have programs that use sport as a tool to develop other skills. So like you said, write your CV and, and feel proud instead of seeing sports as okay, you play sports, you will succeed in life. No, here sport is just a tool. And this is the good kind of sport for development, in my opinion, uh, development program, because the world of sports itself is so small, the amount of athletes that actually make it, it's so small that you can't see sport as, you know, the solution of all the problems in the world, but it is a tool. Uh, the same way that I have to find different tools to teach the students, they use sport uh, to learn this kind of uh, important skills. So yeah, awesome. And when I saw that this organization has a major focus on change, so they use the word change a lot. Um, how did you experience this idea? Did you notice this idea of thinking about change while working with them? Yes, for sure. And that was that was one of the key words that was coming up in a lot of meetings and conversations. They were talking about game changers, that those kids who participate in this program, they are the game changers because they are the generation who come to the realization that, okay, through sport, I can achieve this and this and this, and I don't have to become an athlete. When my body is healthy, my mind is healthy, and I can achieve much more in my life. So change was the core of everything that the organization was about to make a change because if you make a change in one group you will realize that also other groups around it will also yeah. start changing and it is some like sort of a snowball effect when one does good in a community other one does as well and eventually you realize that you have thousand children who are all doing amazing and I can recommend that internship for almost anyone. Uh, there is one girl who's studying in ISBM right now, and she was looking for an internship. And I spoke with her and I told her, get in touch with them. Unfortunately, she, she didn't have the opportunity to go work in Denbosch, also living too far mm -hmm. away. But they are open for interns. They are yeah. always looking for students to come and do research for them because they, they only benefit from it. Yeah. And yeah. so does the student. Yeah, so definitely can recommend it to anyone. So that was your year two. So technically the first internship, but perhaps you did other internships on your own. But as part of the curriculum is the first internship. And then uh, and then you get to years. Your year three was different than ours, I think, because that was the minor year for, for your group. Yeah, that's true. How did you do a minor? Did you do an, how, how? Yeah, how was that experience for you? So this is also, this didn't go the traditional way. I did not do a minor. I, I wanted to do a minor. It was in the spring 
uh, I think, which year was it? 2019, I believe, probably. Yes. 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 I had signed up for a minor uh, for health and, and nutrition. I had already done some other health, uh, sorry, not health. So just the nutrition course. I did already something from Coursera earlier that winter, and I wanted to continue with that. So I signed up, I sent in the papers and everything to Ingrid. And one week before the school year ended, um, the owner of my gym reached out to me and said, hey, your profile looks interesting. I would like to interview you for a job. And I went there and I got that job. So then I wrote to Ingrid and I said, this is the situation. I just got a full-time job as a director of a, of a children's fitness center. Can I use this towards my study points? And then I had a quick meeting with Ingrid. This was really a couple of days before the summer holiday. So mm -hmm. it was all done with a short notice. I had a quick talk with her. And then we decided that instead of a minor, I will just work there. So I did kind of a mini internship working there full time. Yeah. And then after that, I went back to school, I think for three, week, three months or two months. We did the last courses that were preparation for the thesis. We had yeah. research course and a few others. And then after that, um, I kept working for, for my gym as my final internship. Yeah. And then, uh, I, yeah, reading your thesis, I didn't know about my gym. Uh, and I, and honestly, I feel so bad to say that, but I didn't know that there was this concept of this um, club playground membership kind of thing for, for the kids. I, I knew that there were clubs that kids can get into football, gymnastics, etc., or the school or the daycare, but this, I didn't know it existed. So when I was reading, I was like, wow, super cool. It's in the Hague. I wish there was one in Dordre so I could put myself yeah. in it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, t tell a little bit about the concept of my gym uh, and then we dive into your thesis a little. Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting concept. I also didn't know about anything like this before. In Finland, we do have some similar type of activities for children, but they are all provided by government or municipality. So they are these low cost, non-commercial classes where almost anyone can go with the baby. So my team is very unique because you can join my team when you are six months old. Mm. I don't know many, many clubs where you can bring such a little baby who cannot even yeah. walk yet. So, so my team has programs from six months until 10 years old. And um, there are multiple different groups. So starting from six months, um, I believe it's from yeah, six months until 13 months is the first group. So they are really, really small. And that's where they learn, for example, to sit up, grab on things, maybe walk a little bit with, uh, with the help, climb on the stall bars and very, very light exercises, but generally just get comfortable with moving their body and being around other children. And then after that, there is the next group from like two to three years, three to four, etc., until 10 years old. And every group has their own level, let's say level of exercises. So first you start with learning to walk a little bit, then you start doing forward rolls, then you can do already backward rolls, then you can start jumping. And then eventually the older you get, you will be able to climb higher and then you can do cartwheels, you can do backflips. So it's building up from almost nothing until quite good level of, um, of sport. And my gym is also 
somehow it I, I can relate it a little bit to ESA because it's not only about the physical exercise, but it's about becoming confident again. So for a small child of one or two years old to realize that I can do this, I am really good at this. And that's also what the teachers at my gym, they put a lot of effort on is to tell them that you are good, you can try again, let's do this together. Do you remember last week you couldn't do it and now you are doing it already. So it's a lot about empowering them also mentally and explaining to them that if you do A, eventually you will be able to do B. So motivate the children to learn actively. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And then uh, it, it is, a, it is a, um, it, it's American uh, franchise, right? My gym. And yeah. then, then uh, uh, was it a Portuguese woman here in the Netherlands? Yes, yes. The owner is Portuguese. The concept is, is American. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And then it, what I really liked about your thesis is that you did this comparison between the American approach versus here in the Netherlands. So you went to, to the US, Pasadena? Yes, I was in US for three weeks and I was doing my research. So I stayed there in in one of their, their gyms that they use for educational purpose. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times owners and directors or some kind of... Um, decision makers of, uh, of the gyms in Europe. They travel to Pasadena and then they do a couple of weeks of training there to see how do they do it. And this trip was already planned a little bit before I had the idea about the thesis. So we had already planned, planned that I will go there, see how they do it and see what can we implement here in the Netherlands. And just before I was leaving there, I, I came with an idea to try to pay as much as possible attention to things that they are doing that I think might not work in the Netherlands because you know the cultural difference is mm. huge yeah. and I can see that there is if you think about the gap between Netherlands and America there's even a bigger gap between Finland and America so things that work here in the Netherlands might never work in Finland because mm. people are so different and, and what made it even more interesting and challenging was that I would say about 95% of the clients of my gym here in the Netherlands are expats so they're mm. people from all over the place all over the world, yeah. and then you need to be able to accommodate everyone so mm. that was that was the most difficult part for sure yeah, and, and it was so interesting. There is one aspect that I really liked uh, in your thesis was the, of course, the cultural elements at play. So the, uh, regarding the swing activity and how regarded it was in the U.S. versus here. Uh, so in the U.S. it was due to safety concerns. So the parents like that there is this indoor facility where the kids are safe. There's no, there's not going to be a creep there at <laughs> the outdoor. Uh, so they can do the swing. And for here in the Netherlands, no, my kid already doesn't swing outside. I don't need him to do this in my gym. In my gym, I want him to do something else. So exactly. yeah, that was really interesting because of this societal aspect. Uh, Right. Exactly. In the U.S., there is this insecurity feeling uh, regarding kids outdoor. Yeah. That doesn't uh, exist here necessarily. And that's well said uh, that uh, there are different layers to this. So that's the 
that's the level of society where the problem is that it's not safe there. And this has nothing to do with the people. They, mm. It's not in their circle of influence. So there is the level of society, what the society allows and enables you to do. And then there is what the franchise can provide. And then there is what the parents want. So there was indeed a big difference between um, the swing time, especially. So the parents in in United States, they would say that I love it that my child can swing here indoors in safe environment. When as here in the Netherlands, the parents say, I don't think that the swing time is so valuable because I can go to a park anytime and put my baby in a swing. I want my baby to learn how to roll here yeah. inside the gym because we cannot do it outdoors in the rain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Wow, really cool. And and also you can see that the parents perhaps they here in the Netherlands, I got the feeling that perhaps they see this my gym as a as a step uh before going to full-on gymnastics, maybe. So let my kid get the skills. So then if if they want to do gymnastics, they have that in their CV, perhaps. And in the United States, it was more about the fun elements, uh just having that that time for the kids uh to just put their energy somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and that's also a little bit problematic because a core of my gym is that it's not competitive at all. Everyone mm. is on the same lane. There is no competition whatsoever at all. And in United States, the parents understand it. My gym for them was much more about fun. Uh, emptying energy tanks, you know, making sure that the kids come home in the evening completely tired and they yeah. go to sleep immediately. When as here in the Netherlands, the parents were sometimes more demanding when it comes to to the learning curve of the child. So sometimes they would think that, okay, if my child is participating in my gym gymnastics classes, they will be already almost an athlete coming out yeah. of the class and then they can go to compete. But that's not how it goes. Yeah. If you want to compete here in the Netherlands, you need to go to a gymnastics club that brings you to the competition and that was also a little bit a little bit tricky sometimes with the parents because their expectations were too high mm -hmm. and then it's uh, do you think that that's something because you have parents from uh, different cultures or perhaps it's a marketing issue for for the company i think it's a marketing issue 100 mm -hmm. because sometimes well i think you know quite a lot of marketing tricks and how people write. Sometimes it can be just um, the, the wording you are using yeah. or kind of the tone of voice in the text that might mislead you. So if you look at any of the marketing materials of my gym, it might sound like you will become almost a professional yeah, child true. athlete, yeah. even though you are not. But this is also something that it's not in our circle of influence because the marketing materials, they come from United States mm -hmm. and we have to use them here. And there is yeah. not so much freedom to change the yeah. content. It yeah. has to stay pretty much as it is. So that was also the marketing was one difficult part of adapting the franchise here in this environment to not mislead people when yeah. it comes to the expectations. Yeah, and it's interesting to, to see that it's this marketing material that comes from the US, whereas there, it's more about the fun because I guess, yeah, they, they saw, oh, we can do this, but the parents are not really worried about, oh, my child will be an athlete, they just want the fun time. And then maybe they forgot to change their marketing material. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we should change that. <laughs> 
So. But I, I don't think it's the only, I, I'm not too familiar with franchises in general, but probably this is not the only franchise no. who has this problem. Yeah. I can imagine that other franchises, let's say McDonald's or Toys for Us, probably all of them have, have similar issues yeah. when they go to a new market, a new country. Yeah, of course. And then, and then you see that that a lot of them struggle and some don't even succeed. And you don't even have to go that far. I think there was a, a, a franchise from Canada, Wendy's, that's super good, like burger kind of McDonald's. They tried to get into the U.S. and the Tim Hortons with coffee, they tried to get into the U.S. and did not succeed at all. So they're just neighbors, but it's, yeah, no, it doesn't work. So imagine across the pond the difference yeah yeah some products you just cannot sell in certain countries it just doesn't work it doesn't work yeah exactly but but it's nice it's nice that you you did it for a long time then because you started so what a year you worked with them i i worked with them more than one and a half years yeah i think one year eight months yeah i stayed i stayed for really long it was really, really good learning experience. I also got to use a lot of different areas that that were covered during my studies. So I was I was taking care of marketing, some sales, a little bit of social media. I was teaching some gymnastics classes myself. It was wow. so fun. <laughs> uh, I, I love to teach this group between five and 10 years old because they are already so independent and you can have full-blown conversations with them. And and they are there oftentimes because they want to be there and they want to learn. When sometimes the smaller kids, let's say three or four years old, they might not want to be there, but their parents are bringing them. So yeah. sometimes uh, you would have small conflicts with them, <laughs> but yeah. but the older kids were there because of their own will. Um, but yeah, as I said, I feel like I managed to use a lot of tools that I got from the university and, and I'm really glad about it. it. It was a really good time I spent there, but now, now it's time to focus on something else. And I yeah. hope that my current job can perhaps prepare me for some sales uh, role in in sports industry in the future yeah. that could be something yeah absolutely and uh, just bit, i had to laugh because when you were saying i was kind of laughing in my head um the, the the encouragement words like oh you can do this last week and you could do this now look how awesome and then i was thinking here i am 41 years old i start doing roller skating classes and i remember my teacher at roller skating saying the exact same thing <laughs> last week you couldn't do it and now you can and i was feeling so proud of myself <laughs> so, you started just now recently yes, yes i've never heard about roller skater courses how is yeah. it going what do you do there well, well, first I learned not to fall anymore. <laughs> no, but it's pretty cool. There is this excellent, uh, yeah, great facility in Capel um, uh, Nice, also uh, near Rotterdam. And they have, it's a big venue and, and people can go and roller disco there. And uh, it's now they're open again. Thank goodness for them. Uh, it's a beautiful place, uh, lights and all that. It's super fun. But during the pandemic time that they were closed, they were doing a lot of the private lessons. So, hey, I want to do something else. And then I thought, oh, I'll try roller skating, which I did when I was very, very little and I didn't remember anymore. This sounds like something fun I could do <laughs> at my 41 years old. <laughs> and then I did the lessons. And yeah, in the beginning, I was so scared of falling. And this, and then I started, I learned to, to move backwards 
that was so difficult for me. And she every week she would say, look, you can do this. And now you can see how awesome it is. I say, yes, I feel so proud of myself. So <laughs> you should it works. be. It works for the kids and it works for the adults as well. So of uh, course, yeah. everyone needs to receive some good feedback and, um, and compliments. Yeah. It's very important. Yeah, yeah, awesome. It was a pleasure talking to Lotta and hope to have her here again in the near future. For our next episode, I have a very special podcast in the works. The guest is American social scientist, former player for the U.S. soccer team, Professor Jules Boykoff. I have interviewed him with questions produced by the first-year students in my course of sport media. The conversation centers on the issues of sport mega events, particularly the upcoming games in Tokyo. For now, take care and stay safe. Cheers! <music>